Jesus' first disciples were ordinary, everyday people who were so convinced of who Jesus was that they were willing to give up everything to follow him. To them, being a Christian wasn't about a program or an event. Life was their program, and every day was their event. As Christians, we aren't called to be religious do-gooders, but instead to grow up in every way into Christ, who's our head. In every way means in everything. We're to be disciples every day, not just Sundays. Good morning. Man, full house at 930. I'm loving this. Y'all feeling good this morning? Come on, God is moving in this place. This is exciting. I'm just going to take it all in for a second. Hey, y'all know we just turned two years old as a church location? Can we just celebrate that for a minute? Come on, how many of you have been here from the beginning when Belton first opened up and was actually physically in Belton? Okay, awesome. And now we're here still holding down Belton, but now jumped into Temple a little bit. This is exciting. I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for being planted in this location, just for staying uh, you know, focused and true to what God has spoken about, what he wants to do in the city, and being committed to it. Your faithfulness is, is why this building is still here, and this location is still here, and why I had a place that I could actually come to down here. So this is exciting. We're going to celebrate that. We got cake. How many of you saw the cake out there? Come on. How many of you are like, we should have had cake before service started? Okay, we got a few of those. You probably like your desserts before your dinner, too. That's all right. But we got cookies. We want to celebrate. It's going to be a great day. I believe we're stepping into our terrific twos. Come on. When, when you have kids, people tell you, you got to be careful of those terrible twos. Listen, no, we didn't have any of that. We didn't have any of that because me and my wife were like, we're going to have terrific twos. And we started speaking it over our daughter. And so we're speaking it over our church. This is going to be our best year ever. Come on, and by best, I mean we're going to see more people's lives changed and transformed by walking through these doors and encountering God. Do you believe that? All right, then we got a church full of faithful people who are full of faith. We can see God do anything. I want to give you two quick things real quick before we jump into the last message of this series. I want to talk to you about Thursday nights. This is a new discipleship service that we're going to have over at our Harker Heights location. Uh, Pastor Stephen is going to be spearheading this. Um, but this night could look a little bit different depending on uh, what he's feeling like God wants to do in that night. So it's not just going to be like another you know, service necessarily every week. There may be times where it's just strictly teaching. There may be times where we just do worship. Um, there's going to be all kinds of, of different, um, I guess, elements thrown into this service, but it's starting on February 2nd. I just want to encourage you, go over there, join us. If you're free on Thursday nights, you know, come out, join with the rest of our spiritual family over in Harker Heights. It's going to be a great, great night. And uh, how many people have been looking for a midweek kind of option to be able to go to, right? Some people are like, man, going from Sunday to Sunday sometimes is a little rough. Sometimes I need a pit stop. I wish we had something during the week. Well, now we will Thursday nights over at Harker Heights. So I did want to mention that. And lastly, I don't know if you know, but we have student nights for our middle and high school age students every Wednesday now here at the building. And here's what I want to say to that. I've been helping out to kind of get that going because I believe that our students need to know that we're committed to them. And so, you know, I know they've they've had stuff at, at our other location for a long time. And so a lot of times our students have had to go over there. But I said, listen, for 2023, 
We need to have something right here in our location for our students every single week so that they know how much we're committed to them, how much we want to pour into them, how much they mean to us. Come on, the next generation is the future, right? And so here's what I want to say. Ham and Kristen are doing a phenomenal job. Terry Burleson's been helping out. Some others, Andrea's jumped in and helped. There's been a lot of people who have helped um, the Middlebrooks every single week help make that happen. And I just want to say, this wasn't part of my notes, but I'm just excited about where we're going. And I want to say, if you have students or you want to pour into the next generation, I want to encourage you to come and be a part. Come and help. We, had, we went from seven students the first night to 20, I believe, this past week. That tells me that there are students out there that are hungry that will come if we provide an opportunity for them. And so I just want to say you can never go wrong pouring into the next generation. So I just want to personally invite you to that. And then lastly, um, how many of you noticed the kids' check-in was a little bit different today? Yeah. We're just doing housekeeping right now, okay? This is what this is. Uh, we've had a few people... Uh, especially over the last few weeks, say, you know, I really, I love the church, I love coming, but honestly, I'm a little nervous about the level of safety and security for our, for our children with where the, uh, you know, the kids' space is and the check-in and all that. And so we started looking at, okay, what can we do? And so the first thing that we've come up with is, is taking that kids' check-in, putting it just outside that space, allows us to then limit the traffic flow of just anybody just kind of walking through there without being kind of checked and, and so it may be a little bit clunky the first few weeks as we get going, but um, just so you know, we made that change specifically because we want to make sure that our kids' space is more locked down and secure so that parents can sit in here and be in God's presence and be here and not have to worry or wonder about their, their kids. Is that all right? Yeah. All right. So just give some grace you know, to our Vintage Kids team. Andrew is leading that. We've got amazing people, um, but we're going to figure that out. So next week, that door is going to be locked. And it'll take, uh, you know, a little fab or whatever you use to, to kind of get in. Um, and our safety team is, is helping us with that as well. But that's why we're doing it. Because we, we don't want to just tell people that kids' safety is the number one priority. We want to show that. And so, are we good? Yeah. All right, who's ready for this message? I'm ready. I wore the loudest shoes I could find in my closet <laughs> to show my excitement about this message. Because we've been in this series, The Everyday Disciple. And no, this is, I guess it's kind of a precursor to run to win too. So, uh, but we've been in this series and we've been talking about, can you show this diagram, how we think, right? Getting our thinking right affects how we see. And if we get our seeing right, it'll affect how we do or what we do. And then that really today, what we're going to be talking about, our doing starts with our commitment to being a part of God's family in the local church. Because you'll talk to a lot of people that don't necessarily, they, they say, I'm grounded in my faith, right? I believe in Jesus, but I'm not necessarily connected to a local church. Can I tell you, Jesus was the one who said the local church was going to be the means by which he changed the world. So anytime you get into a conversation with a believer who says, well, yeah, I love God with all my heart, but I don't really want to have that much to do with, with the church or the rest of his kids. Come on, that person doesn't understand what Jesus himself died for. He didn't just die for us to individually be saved and then just be a bunch of lone rangers. He died for us to be able to be in him and then together as one as a spiritual body and family. And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like to be in God's family. What do we do, right? Now that we're, our thinking is in alignment, now that our, our seeing is in alignment, how can we get our doing in alignment? And so I want to start with this verse in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says this. 
Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Somebody say, without wavering. Since he who promised is faithful. Come on, we don't have to waver in our confession of this hope that we have because we know our God is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Come on, how many know we could stay right on that passage and I could preach for the next five hours? The point would be made in the next five minutes, but I could keep going on because this is so vital. We live in a day and age where statistics show us people don't even come to church on average more than twice a month, and that's at a church with good consistent attendance. There's a lot of places that since COVID especially, the the commitment to coming and gathering with spiritual family is like eh, once a month. Come on, that's a breakdown in what God designed. This says we should not neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Come on, online church is not church. You might be able to hear a good message, but you're not being a part of the body if you're just listening to a good message online. I had somebody, I love now when I get that question, people, I've asked, I had probably two people in the last week uh, send us a message through Facebook or whatever with the church. So do y'all do live stream? Do you have an online? No. And at first they kind of wonder like, yeah, okay, you guys falling behind the times or what? And I love it. I love that Pastor Stephen, because I have the same passion, Pastor Nate has the same passion. We don't want to spend time and resources and energy and all that goes into that to do a live stream when we could be spending all that time and energy and resources on pouring into the very people who come and are actually a part of the church. And we're not going to budge from that. At some point, if we have just whatever, gobs and gobs of extra resources, or God specifically tells us to start putting you know, energy and time and all that into that, then maybe we will. But, but we believe that the spiritual family of God is the one that shows up. Yes. Not the ones who just hang out and hide out at home in their pajamas. Yes. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity. Come on, you got to grow into maturity. With a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Do you know my job? As a pastor, number one is to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. But then it's to help all of you who come and make this your church. It's to help equip you to do whatever God has called you to do, to do the work of the ministry. It's not for for me to stand up here and, and have you marvel at how I'm doing what God called me to do. No, it's not about that. It's about me and our team helping equip you to be able to be the light and the salt that God has called you to be. That's why I love, I got to have coffee with Mark. He's fairly new and and I hadn't really spent any time with him. And so we just grabbed some coffee and, and got to know each other a little bit. And I love getting to hear his passion about what it is that he, he gets excited about. He, he's got a real heart for seeing uh, the church go outside the four walls and just really reach people in the community and take the love of Jesus. Come on, my job 
is to try and help him make that happen. It's to say, awesome, God's given you this dream. He's given you this vision. How can we do that? How can I help equip you, you know, to go and do that? That's why we gather. That's what pastors are for. We're not just here to, you know, manage everybody's problems. Come on, I'm, I, I got my own problems, right? Like, I can't manage mine and everybody else's. But here's what I can do. I can tell you the same thing that I have to do, which is in all of my problems or all the things that I have to deal with, I can start with finding out what does God have to say about it, right? And then what is God telling you? What is, he, what is he saying his word generally? And then what is he speaking to you specifically? What is the Holy Spirit telling you about how to handle that situation? That's my job. Even in that, that's equipping you. That's not me solving your problem. That's me leading you to the one who can solve your problem. And equipping you on how to find out, oh, this is how we deal with things in life. That's a powerful thing. And we know this. People avoid places that are toxic, right? Come on, how many of you have, and and don't raise your hands too high, (laughs) but you can be glad because this isn't going to be on a video anywhere, but how many of you, when you have parts of your family that are toxic, what do you do? Do Do you try and spend as much time with them as possible? Or do you kind of like back away and distance yourself a little bit, right? That's what we do. It happens in the church as well. If there's, if, if there's toxicity in a place, how many of you know people are going to like, nah, I'm good. I think I'll go somewhere else. But we got to be healthy as a church. We want to be like the Chick-fil-A <laughs> where they, you know, they, they told all the I remember all the, the media or whatever talking about Chick-fil-A was going to open up. I think it was in New York City. Carmen might be able to help me with this. And they're like, oh, it's not going to go there because of their morals and their values. Like nobody's going to, you know, as if everybody in, in New York City is opposed to God or something. And so they're like, it's just not going to do well. You know, they just need to leave that Chick-fil-A stuff in the Bible belt and all that. So they open this Chick-fil-A up and, and what, what happens? The same thing that happens with every Chick-fil-A that gets opened up. Somebody wins Chick-fil-A for a year, I think, and then there's just lines around the building as long as they're open except for Sundays. We want to be like that. We want to be known as a church for a place that you can come and get fed, that you can get loved, that you can be accepted, right? That's the kind of church we want to be, where people can walk through those doors. They may not know the first thing about God, but they can feel something when they walk through those doors, and that's his presence. They can feel his love. They're like, I don't know what it is about this place, but I just, I feel better when I come. I feel like I can, I can overcome things in my life just by being around these people. They sense the faith. It's powerful. That's the church being the church. So let's talk about this. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Number one, the local church is God's family. God can and will do above and beyond what we can ask, think, or imagine. But I'm telling you, and I'll say it until I take my last breath, His design is to do it through you and I in the context of a local spiritual family. You know, there's, I remember I was talking about this a couple years back. We're doing a similar message at another church about the the 
idea of spiritual family and local church. And, and I, God gave me this picture. Have you ever walked through, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot's or stores and you see all these plants in these pots? Well, that's how a lot of Christians look at their, their faith. They're kind of planted in this pot, like, I'm good. I'm, I'm planted in, in God. I'm, I'm saved. But they don't want to be taken out of that pot and actually put in the ground anywhere locally. Well, yeah, with a, with a pot, you can pick that plant up and you can go take it over to the next store. Come on, we get people that walk through the door and say, hey, I'm, we're just kind of shopping around. I know what they mean by that. What they mean is we're trying to find the place God wants us to be. But that's also kind of like where our society's at. How many people really pray and ask God, where do you want me to be, whether I actually even like it or not? Because people are always, and don't worry, I'm going to bring it back up. <laughs> but that's one thing, I, again, I'll go back to my conversation with Mark over here. They have been praying about where God wants them to be, not just where it feels the most comfortable, who had, where it's got the, the best experience, where it's already got locks on their doors for the kids, where... <laughs> but people, so many people are just... Shopping, and it's like this picture of, and they think that they're still planted in God, and, and that's it, because they're in their pot, and their pot can just move, and so they never even feel the effects of moving from one store to the next, or one church to the next. But can I tell you, if you're in a pot, you're limited. It's only when you get outside of that pot and you actually get planted in the soil that you can really grow to your maximum potential. Because now your roots aren't limited. They're not constrained or confined by that space. And now you have the ability to have a greater impact on those around you. Right? Your fruit can be greater. That's how God designed it to be. And our roots ought to get tangled up together. And when that happens, guess what? You can't, you can't pull it apart as easily. Come on, you can't pull me away as easily from my family. Why? Because we're woven together. Our roots are together. That's what spiritual family should be like. And you know, the people who are really committed and get rooted like that, they hate when they have to leave. When God calls them to have to go to another place. It's, well, they don't hate it, but it's hard. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard because you feel it. You feel the tearing. You feel the, the separation. It should be like that in the family of God. Because there's a difference. You can have all kinds of pots in the same room, and they're still totally disconnected from one another. But that's not how a garden works. Point made? Okay, I'll move on. The local church is God's family. 1 Corinthians 3.2. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready Paul's talking about, as babies even, in the body of Christ, we're going to start with, with milk. We're going to start with things that, that we can actually devour, that we can actually take in. That's why a lot of times on Sundays, you know, I have people say, well, your messages aren't super deep. I'm like, we'll take a theology course then. Like, and what I mean by that is, I'm not, we're not in a, in a room full of, of people who've been 
all walking with God for 50 years, right? God will take you as deep as you want to go, and he'll take you as fast as you want to go in your personal time with him. But can I tell you, on Sundays, it is going to be a little bit lighter, and we're not going to quite go as deep, and that's intentional. Can I just pull the curtain back and share that with you? It's intentional. Why? Because we want, again, that person who walks in these doors for the very first time to be able to connect to this, to be able to connect to to the Word of God, to help them get started. And if you're here and you've been, and you have been walking with God for a long time, can I tell you this? Number one, we can always go back and keep relearning. Come on, how many times did Jesus say, even in Revelation, he said, go back to your first love. Come on, we need to be reminded more often than instructed, right? Come on, if we're, if we're living perfectly all right, then maybe we are ready for a whole lot more. But I still think there's still times we still got to work on the little things, the things that we learned way back at the beginning. And so we can always benefit from that. But the other thing is help teach the young ones, those who are young in their faith. We need those that have been walking with God 20 years, 30 years, 40 years and beyond to help step in and lead small groups. Come on, find those other places where you can speak into that. That's how the family of God works. Number two, God's family requires unity. Amos 3.3, can two walk together without agreeing to meet? Verse Corinthians 12, 18 through 21 says this, but as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot, uh, can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Come on, we, can't, we don't all have the same purpose in the body of Christ. Which should be freeing. It should be freeing to know that all I've got to do is be obedient with what God called me to do. Right? You've heard the, the analogies and the metaphors like... If we're all hands, how are we going to get anywhere? I mean, you could do the Adam's family thing, but it's not, it's not really the best route, right? If, we, if, we, if we're all eyes, how are we going to hear anything? If we're all ears, how are we going to see anything? Each one of us, God has made, I love this, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. You might be a pancreas. We need a pancreas. If we didn't, we wouldn't have one. Right? Every one of you is vital to this spiritual family. I said every one of you is vital to this spiritual family. Don't ever come in here. Well, I'm not the one, you know, communicating from the platform. or I'm not the one singing and tearing it up on vocals. And thank you, Daniel. And... uh, Tiffany and the rest of the gang. But like, you might be the one who's helping unclog the toilets so everybody can use the restroom. Just as important, I promise you. You don't believe me? Wait till you have to go to the restroom. I feel like I'm just hanging out today a little bit. I don't feel as preachy today. I feel more just... I want you to hear my heart in all of this because I think the local church is the greatest thing God ever gave us. 
And it just blows my mind. It makes me sad when people don't understand the value of it. You know, I think I've told this story before about a friend of mine that their family just stopped coming after COVID. And when I asked them why, because they used to be like just every, every, every week you could count on them. They would show up. They would be a part. And he said, well, we can just get what we need online, you know. And, and I said, but that's only half of it. Half of coming to church is to, yeah, maybe get what God needs to give you that week, but it's also for you to be there to give to somebody else. Come on, somebody who's going through a, you know, a loss in their family or they lost their job. You know, getting around somebody who's like, hey, I've been there. And here's what I know about God. He's going to provide for you. He's going to come through. He's going to be there. Being able to encourage and strengthen one another. It's not just about us. It's not primarily about us. We've got to value our spiritual family. Let's talk about unity just for a minute. The church unity requires three things. Number one, we're unified in our purpose. Our purpose, according to Jesus, first and foremost, is to reach the lost. Our purpose here is to reach the lost. This is not just about having our own holy huddle every week. No, we want to be a place where people who are lost, like all of us were, can come through these doors and be here on a Sunday and meet Jesus. If the church stops reaching the lost, it's going to be missing its primary purpose. We've got to reach the lost, and we've got to be unified in that. And next, we build those that we reach. Once you reach people, you got to help them get started in their faith. you got to build them up. you got to show them how to connect with God, how to follow God, how to hear from God, how to get in their word, teach them about what it looks like to praise and to worship, all these different things. You've got to build people up. And then we've got to show them how to, how to live our life empowered by the Holy Spirit, how to act. All of us have been through this process if we've given our lives to the Lord and we've come and joined spiritual family. Now it's about submitting our lives and being a disciple every day and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit so that it produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. I think I got all nine. I'll ask the kids later. But it's about demonstrating. Paul said, I come in demonstration of the spirit and power. Come on, do you walk into your job demonstrating the spirit and power? Come on, that's some good homework for this week. Have that mentality. We're unified in our purpose and we're unified also in our belief. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, Joints and tomorrow, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In 2 Timothy 3.16-17, through 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, or woman of God, equipped for every good work. We're unified in our belief. You know, the world wants to celebrate diversity. God has given us diversity. And we do celebrate that. But you have to be 
unified in your belief if you're going to walk together. If you don't believe me, do that old potato sack race thing where one of you puts one leg in the sack and the other puts the other and have different directions that you both want to go in. See how far that lasts before you're falling over. You can't go anywhere without being in unity in your beliefs. That doesn't mean you have to agree on every little thing, but maybe we'll get into this in another teaching, but you do have to agree on the essentials. You do got to believe that our God is one God in three persons. You do got to believe that Jesus Christ came. He's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, that he died and rose again. You have to, we have to be in agreement on those things. Right? Do we have to be in agreement on, on what service you go to on Sundays? No. There's essentials and non-essentials, and we can talk more about that. Also, we got to be unified in our culture. We want to be unified in our culture. Right? We have a culture that's life-giving. Well, that doesn't just happen by accident. It happens because we have values that we uphold. We want to treat people with respect, treat them with dignity, love people right where they're at. You know, we honor each other. Honor doesn't just go up. Honor goes sideways as well and down. You should honor those that work under you, that serve under you, as well as those that are above you. So that's having a culture of honor. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions, or the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you know that's the same thing that Adam and Eve had to deal with in the garden? It was the same three temptations that she had with the fruit. And that is what our culture is always going to be trying to tempt us with. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Every sin falls somewhere in those three. It's, some, it's, some, it's seated in, in one of those three areas. And once we're in unity, here's our last point, and I'm wrapping up. Unity attracts the presence of God. Psalm 133, 1-3 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For the, there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And in Acts 2, 46-47, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That's what unity produces. When people walk in, the Bible says that they'll know us by our love one for another. When someone who's far from God or someone who's walked away from God walks through these doors on a Sunday morning and they see genuine love that we have for one another and our commitment to each other. Come on, that attracts not only the presence of God, it attracts people. People are starving to belong. They'll join all kinds of stuff. 
People will join gangs and commit crimes because of how much they feel wanted and connected. It seems crazy, but that's how strong that need to be connected and to belong is. The church should be the, the pinnacle of what it looks like to walk together, to be in unity. I'm going to say this as we close. Sunday mornings are not enough. I love our small groups. Brittany and Tommy are leading our small groups regionally, and they're growing, and more people are getting involved. I'm telling you, if you're not in a small group, you're missing out. And even beyond the small groups, have people over to your house. Go hiking. Go out to eat. Go to B-dubs and watch the Cowboys. Threw that in for y'all. I think we got some 49er fans coming in second service, so. I'm just saying. Make connection. Come on, you should meet a new person at least once every two weeks. I'll give you one week off. But you should look around this place and go, I don't even know half these people. Well, guess what? You're only a handshake and a hello away. Go find somebody you don't know and say, hey, what's your name? I'm so glad God brought you here. That's what it means to do. Think, see, do. Not thinks to do. That's my last name. Think, see, do. Anyway, I'm a little scatterbrained this morning. But I tell you, I just, this topic is dear to my heart. Because this, being a real family, people can sniff it out. And it'll be one of the main reasons people stay and join in or why they'll continue to wander and look for the next place. We want to be a place where people know, like cheers, everybody knows their name. Just aged myself, it's okay. Let me pray for you. And in this moment, just like we do in every service, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe you have heard that he died for you, you heard he loved you, or maybe even today you've walked in this building and you sense his love for you, but you've never given your life to him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning, to just surrender your heart, say, God, I just, I want you, I want to be a part of your spiritual family. If that's you this morning, I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to raise your hand. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. This is the greatest decision that any of us can ever make in our lives. And you can make that decision today. If you want to be serious about your faith and about your relationship with God. And if you've already said that prayer before, but honestly, you haven't been maintaining your relationship with God. You've honestly kind of turned your back and been living for your own pleasures and not following God. You can make that change today as well. You can recommit your life in one moment, one decision. Say, God, I'm sorry. I haven't been living for you. I haven't been following you. I've been leading my own life. And in a moment, you can get back in that right relationship with God and begin to follow him again wholeheartedly. 
If you're in either one of those two places this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you for that hand. No one looking around. Keep your hand up just for a moment. You can put your hand down. Thank you. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. Ask everyone in the room to just repeat after me. And if that's you, you raised your hand today. I want you to say this between you and God from the bottom of your heart in all sincerity. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, for breath in my lungs, for waking me up today. I know that you have purpose for my life. And I acknowledge that I need you. I need to live for you. And I acknowledge what you have done for me on the cross, that you paid the price for my sin. I confess that I am a sinner, and I need your salvation. So I receive your gift of salvation right now. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior, and I will follow you. For the rest of my days, in Jesus' name, amen.